Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys enjoying the summer camp? Yeah, you guys are enjoying the summer camp? The last couple of days we've been, after the lives, enjoying the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost and teaching and song and the power of His presence and the Shekinah within and the Kavod, that weighty glory, I feel it settling on me even now as we mention it, that weighty Kavod, that Kavod comes down through Hod, that weightiness of the glory of the love, the true love of the Holy Spirit that comes down through Netzah, those are your legs of prophecy. And if you notice when the drinking gets heavy like that, it gets a little hard to walk. But just like <laughs> Sister Ruth Heflin said, the Lord is tempering us in our ability to stand in the glory, to walk in the glory, to speak in the glory. It takes the time he, he tempers you. Increments by increments, he's increasing the glory. And when we get a rush, a surge of more kabod, more of his glory, like we've been experiencing the last few days, it takes a little getting used to. But he's giving you the time, mighty champions, rising up Gideon's 300, who can drink, who drink, who love to drink the glory in the way that pleases him. What do you mean all Gideon's 300? They're not, it's not just drinkers. Everyone went down to drink. It was by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of prophecy, pure prophecy. He was led down to watch the men and how they drink. Everyone was drinking. It's not just the drinkers versus the non-drinkers. That's not biblical. What's biblical? Who was drinking in a way that pleased the Holy Ghost. And they took that water with their hands and they brought it to their mouths. Take the time to learn in what way drinking pleases the Holy Ghost, the seven spirits of Jesus Christ, the menorah lamp. You'll have to become a menorah lamp to receive that divine spark hewn from the throne of God, the neshama, a holy soul, a holy soul. And what is it written about the neshama? In the book of Job, there's a writing on discernment. And what does he say? That Hebrew word that gives them discernment in the book of Job? It says that the neshama will give us discernment. So where have we been lacking in discernment? It's a lack of a holy neshama that was lost by Adam and Eve. In the Old Testament, the Torah scholars and some like you know King David, some holy men of God, in the Old Covenant there was a way to attain a neshama, but now in the New Covenant of Jesus Christ, there is only one way to restore that soul that was lost by Adam and Eve in the curse of the fall. And it's Jesus Christ, his body on sapphire stones. None of your additions, none of my additions, none of our subtractions. 
only Jesus Christ, his body, on sapphire stones. The only maturity in this universe is the heights on sapphire stones. Why is that? Those are his words, his letters engraved within you. His name. Any other form of maturity that we look for apart from his body, Christ, his word, his living stones, his living word, is our animal nefesh desire to have some appearance of some other kind of maturity, how we best see fit, what we wish it would look like, what we want it to look like. Only the word of God on sapphire stones written within you as you rise in cosmic righteousness. And nothing can stop you. The only things that stop us, that slow us down are those things in the mind and the brain and the heart that don't yet agree with the ways of God, that don't find it pleasing what pleases God. So what is rising? It's continual repentance. We repent to go higher, to agree with the sapphire stones. And don't think it's going to be something so hard, so difficult. Oh, I can never do it. You have the training, you have the teaching here. The number one thing that slows people down or stops them from rising is people-pleasing. Well, what I say might offend, might offend somebody. My family might think I joined a cult. How are people going to look at me differently? I will tell you this. When you begin to rise onto the moon, you will have persecution. And it will usually come from those around you. So be encouraged. The only praise that you need is the kind that comes from God and not from men. I'll tell you this of my own personal testimony. When I was raised up by the Spirit of God onto the moon, onto the Asad of Isaiah that first time, and my feet were firmly planted on the moon, you can't even imagine the things I heard. People who once respectfully had said, oh, apostle this, apostle, you're an apostle. A word that I had never even dreamed or imagined to call myself. Never once in my lifetime had I ever desired or yearned or imagined, it had not even crossed my imagination that I would be called an apostle. Oh, but people are calling me, now they're calling me apostle, they're saying this. The same people who called me apostle, when I stepped onto the moon, began in their own eyes to demote me. You're so immature. You don't deserve to be called apostle. Where did all the praise for man go? When I stepped onto the moon, in the eyes of man, it was demotion. God's promotion to the moon level, in the eyes of man, was stubbornness, pride, immaturity. You do things all wrong. What's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. Demotion. You don't deserve to be called an apostle. Maybe that's your calling, but we can't respect you. When did that happen? The exact moment when I landed, when I set feet on the moon, when I made one step up. What do you think it's going to look like in your life? Do you think everyone's going, oh, good job, you got onto the moon, you're walking right? No.
more than likely, the very people who support you will for a time attack you. It's a normal part of rising in righteousness. If you want to go to the next level, expect for people to put you down. That's why you can't value the praise of men. The praise of men one day it goes up, it goes down, the next day it goes up, it goes down. The only praise that matters in your life is if it comes from God. If God has approved you, if God has raised you up, that's what you put your value in. Don't take it so much when people praise you. Don't value the praise. Yes, there should be a culture of honor. We're not saying get into a culture of dishonor. But the praise and the approval that comes from God is the only one in your life that you need to be concerned about. Everything else, did it come from God or did it come from man? That's it. So be encouraged, rise. It may look crazy all around you. You may have the most persecution and attacks on you of your whole life when you rise, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. You fight until you get the breakthrough. Do whatever it takes. When I set foot on the moon, number one thing, other than demotion from man, was you're religious. Why are you so religious? Why don't you have any freedom? Get some freedom. So religious. Well, the sapphire stones is my religion, amen? <laughs> Just breathe in the Holy Ghost and understand that it's His word and His name, His name engraved, His name engraved, and His word engraved, His word that He holds up above His name. That's how you're going to go up name to name, learning the names of God, which is getting to know him and receiving his nature within you. I'm sure Jeremiah looked like the bad guy, didn't he? Ezekiel, such a hard forehead, I'm sure he looked pretty dang stubborn, didn't he? But what is your divine stubbornness going to avail? Higher heights on sapphire stones. Fear not, fear not the faces of man, but walk on sapphire stones. That Shekinah glory is the opening of the divine realm and that is known as righteousness. And it's open to you today at the sound of my voice. So walk in it. Yeah, the getting undignified, you'd mentioned Gideon's 300, and it's in Judges 7, 6. It says that 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. <laughs> they drank like dogs, which means the whole human dignity was rejected by them. They were with 10,000 men, their countrymen, their brothers from Israel. And these were the only ones without people-pleasing. It's exactly how they were chosen and qualified. They didn't do what was respectable. They were willing to look like dogs in front of dignified soldiers. And that's the kind of rank that God requires. 
and his angel armies a a different type of obedience where it doesn't matter how it looks in the eyes of others. You know, you get attacked in the prophetic nonstop because it doesn't come in the same box of truth that they heard it a certain way. Well, truth is depths of, of gemstone. It's depths of the mountain of Zion. It's depths of light. You know, truth, like you receive light down here from the sun. Well, is it the same sun? It's the same sun. But you're actually in the light of it um, 50,000 million miles away. You know what I mean? Hey, it's all the same sunlight, bro. It's the same sun. Well, that's true. It is the same sun. But you're experiencing it literally 50,000 million miles away from the source. Do you understand the difference? The difference is in proximity and closeness to God, closeness to the source of light, which is sapphire stones in heaven. Just because you're on earth hearing truth doesn't mean you're hearing it the same as someone that's walking in the heavens. You're all called to walk in the heavens. What's the difference? Just like Moses, the Bible says he approached the light. The bush was burning, but he went into the burning. He approached the burning one. So, there's an approaching and a diving into the depth of that light. And the truth is, everyone has depths of light that's born again. If you believe the word of God, there is a depth of that word releasing Shekinah in your hearts and minds. There is a radiance to the scripture. There is a radiance to the word of God. God and his radiant glory is always in the living word. Otherwise, it's not a living word. It's not even from God. So when God is speaking, notice Moses is in a different proximity. He's on the mountain. That's where all of us need to be, with Moses and the Lamb on the mountain. It is a closeness to hearing the Shekinah and the Word. If you have the Word only without Shekinah, it's misinformation. If you have Shekinah and then it's no Word, it's false freedom. Because it needs the container of the Word, which is Jesus. People love light, but then they don't like Jesus. We call them New Agers, right? You see them all the time. We can love all the things about God, but just not Jesus only. What's that mean? You've denied God entirely and just want his stuff. You're a mm -hmm. thief and a robber. So the issue is the Word and the light. And don't think you can't separate them both, because that's exactly what the fallen angels have been doing in the heavens, because the Word created the heavens, but they've been gleaning the light of the heavens apart from the Word, which is Jesus Christ. They hate Jesus. Fallen angels hate Him perfectly. They hate Him with all their heart. Well, so do those that follow the fallen angels that just want the goodness of creation with not closeness with Creator. See, what's success? Closeness with Creator. What is going to weeping and gnashing of teeth? His stuff. You workers of iniquity. You just wanted his stuff. You wanted his gifts. You wanted his tongues. You wanted to speak in tongues. You wanted to interpret tongues. You wanted to prophesy. You wanted to have all the God stuff, right? That's what Jesus Christ said. The issue is, did you get into the intimacy with him? Now, this is not just in charismatic ministry. It's in every aspect of existence in this world. Every single aspect of your existence is either God's stuff or God. It's really like the two paths. 
God is fire, well, people end up in the lake of fire. How many of y'all know God created the lake of fire? So you could say that person's in God, but it hurts like hell, doesn't it? Yeah, it'll hurt like hell, because it is hell. They'll be in hell forever. The Bible says with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? This is the difference, guys. This is getting over the glamour, the gold, the lust of even ministry, the lust of looking a certain way and having a stage. It's getting over your human nature. In the closeness to God, it, there is a foolishness required. Now, this is best portrayed in Judges 7-6, where drinking like dogs was the qualification. So the closeness to Jesus, these men look like fools. That's right. These men look like absolute idiots. Now, what is Paul called in Acts 17? A babbling fool. This is the guy writing multiple books. He had already written 20 books of Scripture, okay, 20 books of the Bible, and they're calling him a babbling fool on Mars Hill in the Areopagus of Acts 17. Babbling fool ministries Apostle Paul. You know what a babbling fool is? Gideon's 300. Babbling fools for Christ. There is a wisdom in the obedience where it doesn't matter the form anymore. And then the form, guess what form it takes? Daily bread. What is daily bread? The form that God's light comes in today, usually to stretch you out of your comfort zones and the status quo and the places you're mm-hmm. sleeping. It will offend you. You will be upset. <laughs> and you'll probably deflect and say, I wasn't offended. I wasn't offended. Everyone does that. Everybody does that. It will offend your pride. To walk on sapphire stones requires such a great set-apartness that even in the pioneering of this work, everything it took for me to set myself apart from in order to walk on it was called then religious. You have no freedom. Why is that? Because there are things that the nefesh is not willing to part with, the pleasures of this world, the gold, the glory, and the girls, or for women, the gold, the glory, and the boys. Not always in the overt, ways, the overt things of the world, but, you know, in the nice, good Christian ways. You know, they want their nice, you know, boyfriends around them, male friends who will, you know, treat their heart a certain way, and, oh, you know, a man like that. All those, you know, Christian witchcraft. Oh, I just need to have, if I can just have so many girls around me as my disciples, and they're just, they can understand my teaching, and I can lead them, and I... You know, it's, it, it's, it's wickedness. It's disgusting. It's witchcraft. Oh, if I can just have, oh, these friends around me and they'll just listen to me. What are you going after? You're going after the flesh. You don't need any of that. Talk to John, John the Baptist. He's out there in the wilderness looking like a crazy man with camel skin. Totally set apart. He's not into any of the chasing after women and money and... He wasn't begging Pharisees to follow him on Facebook, right? Did you come here to get water splashed on your snake skins? The only reason they came down there is because now it's the popular thing to do. As soon as it blew up and, oh, now John the Baptist is famous, now it's the popular thing to do. Now they're coming down to, you know, listen in and see what they can spy on. You know, that's how it goes, isn't it? But where were they, if they were really interested, 
when the way through the wilderness was being pioneered. Come on. Where do our hearts need to be to embrace rigid righteousness? Whatever form you tend to follow after, the opposite form is the one God's going to give to you to challenge you with. We know that. So when it comes, why do we fight? Why do we weep and gnash our teeth? Why is it so hard? It's about knowing him. It's not about the forms. Oh, well, in this form, in this church, we have this amount of freedom. We, we play different kinds of music. We have beach balls. We can do this, we can do that. We're, we have a casual preacher, you know? We have the trendy people. We have this, we have that. Or, you know, I left church months ago. I le I've been out of church years ago seeking God. Okay, well, how's it going? Have you found the narrow path yet? Or are you just a rebel out in the wilderness? Now you don't have anyone to tell you not to smoke weed or, you know, not to lust after women. What is this? Is, if this is going to be a real tribe of the Zedekim, and that's inspiring and it's wonderful, but what is a Zedek? A Zedek is one who has completely slayed the evil impulse of the lust of the flesh, which means when a girl walks by and she could be in a bikini or whatever out there in the wild, you literally cannot feel sexual stimulation or even the temptation urge to sin with the eyes. It doesn't exist. You've slaughtered it. Or for the ladies, a male model in the, in the heat of the noonday in the south somewhere walks by. Like, whatever, whoever is the famous person that the women run after these days. Could be that guy walking around. And you're not going to be like, oh, you know, looking. You're not going to, you don't feel those animal feelings. Animals go after the food and mating. You run after food, you run after that's the mating season where the animals, you know. A Zadik has completely slaughtered that ability to be enticed to lust when something sexual or beautiful, they don't, it, it, it's killed. You kill it. It is possible. Don't tell me it's not. I know it is. You can kill that thing. That's the slaying of Amalek. That's what takes you. Oh, let's look at the, look at Olive. That's what takes you from Joshua, son of Nun, to Zadik, from disciple to Zadik. Now, the disciples are Zadik, they're the Zadikim. If you're learning righteousness, you're on the path of righteousness. I would say at least standing on the moon, you'll be considered a righteous one. If you are training, you are learning, taking the proper steps, you're, you are covered, right? you're covered by that grace. But you wanna continue making progress. Zion's princes. What does that verse in Lamentations say? The Zion's princes, he talks about them in that coral pink color. And then begins to describe the sapphire stones. What is that more pink than coral? What does that coral color come from? It's the red and the white of Gevra and Hesed, which means that Hesed is predominant in the judgment when those colors mix and it pours all the way down into Shekinah which is established on the moon and when you're standing on the moon that aspect of judgment that tends more towards Hesed than Gevra but still includes Gevra it's a more 
compassionate judgment than the severe judgment of Gevra. That's your quality. As a prince of Israel, prince of Zion, princes and princesses of Zion. It's the slaughtering of that animal nature. The fear of that being destroyed goes away. Well, where am I going to get my pleasure from? Because you're not going to get pleasure from being surrounded with boys or being surrounded with girls who are disciples or want to learn from you and, oh, now we feel good because, you know, whatever. Animal. Animal nature. Kill it. That's lust. Oh, well, I know. The apostle shared in the group messages that we don't need to be instructing one-on-one -on -one the women or for women, you know, the boys, the opposite sex. But I feel like the exception because of this and that, and I'm just such a this and that. No, it applies to you. You understand, I hold myself to the same standard. When you have a certain rank and authority, you're going to be dealing with people of the opposite sex, but you're not going to be training and teaching them one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, now's the time for our fellowship and blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? It's an open door to hell in your life. And you think it's good. It's true. These are the things that destroy destinies. These are the things that cause massive delays. We don't have time for that. I know I'm speaking these because I know that you don't want delay anymore. We're coming against the spirit of delay this season. There's been enough delay. What did the angel in Revelation say? No more delay! How? Righteousness. Walk in it. You can do it. When you first begin to cut off that affection that you give to others, right, especially others of the opposite sex, when you begin to do that, you'll feel like, oh, you're letting someone down, or, oh, maybe they're going to think I'm mean, I'm not so nice anymore. Get over it. Come on, soldier. We're not involving ourselves with Babylonian civilian affairs, are we? Come on. Nope. You were born for this. You're here today. You're listening to this today. There's a good chance you're part of Gideon's 300. You're called to it. It's time to stop caring about what those forms look like. What are the, well, what if these girls think I'm mean and they go away? Okay, let them go away. That's not your job. Or the, oh, if there's new guys come in into RLM, what if they, what if they think I'm a mean lady? I don't know what they think. Let them. I don't care. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I don't care. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment because I want to fulfill God's will for my life and I'll walk in it. Because we are advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And when he comes back, I don't want my face to bow with shame to the ground. I'm sorry. Oh, you mean that's what that was? And then he'll tell you, didn't Rebecca teach you that already? You were there at the Joel's bar, weren't you? You heard it. Why didn't you walk in it? What we want for you at the end of all things, when this is said and done, for you to behold your Lord and Savior, for you to behold your Father in heaven, and to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant.
Is there anyone in your messenger inbox that's more important than those words right now? Think about it. Is there any friendship that's more important than that? Is there any vice or secret sin that's more important than those words? Be one of those few who can stand before the Lord, knowing that you've done your best and you really gave it your all. Not shame and excuses. Because eternity, my friends, is a long time. This is a short time. The devil's time is short, it is written. This is a short time. Eternity is a long time. And there's a, a lot of joy. There's, you're going to have troubles. You might have sorrows in this world, the things we go through, the things that temper us. But there's a lot of joy in knowing that you're doing the will of your Father, that you've really given it your all. And even the things you didn't understand or might have offended you at first, you became obedient, not caring what other people call you, call you this, call you that. but knowing that you have the approval of your Father in Heaven. That's everything. And that's what this training in righteousness can be for you and your life. It's not just for somebody else to have and to walk in. It's for you and your family. What did he say, Joshua, son of Nun? What do the righteous say? As for me and my house, we will serve Yad, hey, Vav, hey. We will serve the Lord. And you start, oh, fire. Hey, hey, hi. <laughs> fire. No, it's fiery. It's fi He's a fiery God. He's a holy, pure God, not a strange fire, but pure and holy fire. Is there anything in our lives that's more important than His will? Is there anything in your life right now that He's asking you to let go of that's more important then well done, good and faithful servant. Envision that scene, see yourself before him. What's that moment going to look like between you and him? Don't wait to have those regrets then when it's too late to do your life any differently. Make that change today. What can you change today to make that moment what it's supposed to be? what he created you to be, what he wanted to raise you up to be. Without excuses, without self-pity, just real with your father. All right, what do I need to do for us to have that moment? Because you know, every father who's proud of their child, who wants to help their child to train them up and raise them up in the way they should go, he desires to have that moment with you. His father and son, father and his daughter. That you can have that moment together. For him to have the satisfaction of the return of his investment on what he invested in your whole life. To come forward in fruitfulness. Pleasing to the father. By walking the same path. Is Enoch sapphire stones
know, the same block as Enoch, sapphire stones. What did the Gideon's 300 do in Judges 7 after they drank like dogs? It says they walked up a hill. That's exactly what it says. They walked up a hill after drinking. Then they let their lamps shine and they made noise. They had noisemakers and light makers, but there was an ascension after the drinking. They had to go to the high place over the enemy armies. And that's right where you're at. You know, you've been exposed to the river. Um, Charismatic church really is basically just jumping in the river. But after you jump in the river, you must climb. And you climb, and you rise, and you shine. Your light has come. Where's the light coming? Like a river of glory out of your innermost being, flooding your personality outward and upward. So it's knowing God on the inside. How did he get on the inside? You drank him. In what act did God go inside Gideon's 300? Drinking out of the religious form that was acceptable in Israel. He had to break the box. There's a religious box that has to break. There's a mindset and a mentality that must break. That's the breaker in 19.4. To break you out of your box into God's box, the Ark of the Covenant, the golden cube of Revelation, the heavenly Jerusalem, the box of the sapphire stones, the ephod of your breastplate of righteousness. Notice the difference of those boxes? One's an imprisonment called bondage. The other one is absolute freedom in the fullness of light. Freedom is only measured by how much light is emanating from the word written on the stone. I will give you a white stone with something written on it. What's written on it? Your new name. What's a new name? A new nature. Whose nature? The impartation of the one who gave it God's nature. So each stone imparts God's nature. And how does it come? Through the ever-increasing Shekinah. Without Shekinah, there's no change in personality. There's no change in atmosphere. There's no change in nothing. You can have a box of rocks from God, but if they're not emanating Shekinah, there's no transfiguration of the soul. Living stones, as it is written, God builds with living stones. He's building inside of you. Now, I like this. I can see this right now as I'm talking to you. King David and facing the arch nemesis of Israel of those days, Goliath, went down to the river to get five smooth stones. What were the stones that he got? They represent the sapphire stones. Taking out arch enemy, Satan and his sons, the sorcery of the sorcerers, the witchcraft of the fallen angels, taking it out requires the river and the stones. Mm. Do you have mineral level picture? I'll show yeah. you guys the stones of David. All right. Five smooth stones to take out a giant. We saw on the demon tree the other day, the Nephilim. You have giants in the cosmos. Five smooth stones. Let's just look at it in the Lord's Prayer. You know the lightning path. You have it memorized. Let's start it on Malkut. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. Where does that leave you? The sun. Five smooth stones to get you into the sun. To overcome the Nephilim, let's look at the demon tree. To get you over the Nephilim, the giants, and the creatures from which they sprung from. Amen. That's good. Five smooth stones. That's Malkut, Yasad, Hod, Netza, and Tiferet. Overcoming those giants that first stand in the way of you taking the promised land. And to take Goliath out, he didn't just have the stones. What else did he have? It says in the word of God, he took the staff and the sling. He rejected Saul's armor. How had everybody been waging war before David came along? Everybody in all of Israel. We're, talking, we're not talking about heathens. We're talking about the people of God. God's people. How did they always wage war? So much this kind of armor. They all had what? The same, these kind of weapons. David. Now, we have David wielded Goliath's sword. He wore armor and things like that as he grew up. But to defeat the giants in your promised land, I'm telling you right now, all that's been established in the prophetic for the last 40 years, the last 50 years even, it's not going to help you. Did any of them walk on sapphire sand? Some of them had a taste of it. They saw into it prophetically. But they didn't walk into it. That's for this time and this calling, this generation. What you're going to need to do looks so wildly different than even what the best of the best have been doing for the last hundred years. What they did is not going to work for you. That's why, as much as you can study revival history, church history, study Bob Jones, those, you need them because you're going to, you, we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, right? They labored so that we could go higher. So if we're just looking to the past as an example of something that we could only maybe hope to attain for, you've got it completely wrong. Completely wrong. You have to go further than they went. Not by doing what they did for all those years, for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of the prophetic. You are going to have to do something that they never did. Which means your standard is going to be higher. Uncomfortably higher. What you do, what you say, what you walk in is going to have to be more than those who came before you and all the people of God except for those in recorded history who walked on sapphire stones which are few and far between one of whom is Enoch another one Jesus Christ now Jared might not have gone up as high as Enoch but we know in Jewish recorded history that he at least attained a neshama. Is that not enough? We have to go higher. We have to keep going higher. What is it going to take 
to bring all these things to the end of all things, to the end of that serpent, that red dragon. What's it gonna take? What are the comforts of my nefesh? What are the things I can't let go of? What are the relationships that I refuse to let go of? The ways of speaking, it all changes. And you won't do it. You're not gonna do it in a religious spirit of just external discipline and no sapphire stones. What's the difference between the false freedom, right? We see people get into the glory, then they go, well, I'm just gonna be undignified and I'm just gonna be a slop, a, you know, a slob, live a sloppy life. At least I'm not like those religious people over there. And then you have the religious people over there saying like, look, you're in sin and you know, but they don't have it either. That's witchcraft. Both of those are witchcraft. Knowledge about what is good and knowledge about what is evil. And then along with that goes calling what is good evil and calling what is evil good. It's not going to be to the left or to the right, but you're going to go straight up sapphire stones. You're going to go up the lightning path. That is where you will encounter the voice, the thundering voice, like a voice of many waters. In the book of Enoch, he talks about the lightning, the path of the lightning. And what is the law that governs the lightning? You should know this if you want to walk in it. That the thunder always comes after the lightning. Why does the thunder come after the lightning, it says? There's an enforced pause in between the peel the lightning and then the sound. The thunderings are to make straight the crooked heart. So you go up with the lightning and you encounter the voice of the word of God on sapphire stones and it straightens the crooked heart. And the tongues of fire, we were singing last night, tongues of fire, <laughs> I like that song. And then it goes from tongues of fire to flames of fire, and you have to understand the reason why I selected that mix of Ruth Heflin. These were, I, I, I went through, the Holy Spirit led me, like he leads me in all my studies, all my writings, all my studies. I don't just sit around and come up with things, right? I will literally sit and wait and ask the Lord to show me something. He shows me, I go there, he shows me the next thing, I put it there, I write it here, that's what I do, that this is how the material comes forth. When he showed me, you need to do Ruth Heflin. We got to do the summer camp. We had so many confirmations on the summer camp. He led me to certain videos of Ruth Heflin. And I took them and he led me through the minute time stamps to different things that she said, in addition to different songs they sang. And then in that one video, edit it together so you have a short clip of her saying something along with the song from that one message. And then you'll have another track so I've been making these tracks for our summer camp, and the spirit would highlight things. Now, why is it that it was these certain songs that were given? It's because she had a vision of the sapphire stones. In the songs we are listening to last night, she talks about going up. She describes the ladder. 
the rungs of the ladder going up, about when she says, oh, the things of God in heaven, and he wants us to experience them in a way we haven't experienced yet. And then she talks about going up, getting caught up to the throne. What is the throne? Where is the throne? It's the realm of Berea. So she was looking up into these heights and singing about them, experiencing them, and bringing down the glory. That's why those songs are so glorious. It's about the sapphire stones. Now in that song, Tongues of Fire, what do we know about Tongues of Fire? Oh yeah, Pentecost. We know the tongues came down and rested on their heads. Okay, that's fine. But what does it say in the book of Enoch? It says that when he came to that place, he stepped into the tongues of fire. Like tongues of fire, he walked into them. And as the song progresses, it says tongues of fire, then it says flames of fire. So what was that down payment of the Holy Ghost of tongues of fire resting on their heads? Enoch ascended. Remember the sapphire stone body? Let's look at the picture of the human body. That'll be good. The path of Enoch is going all the way up to, do you see the Keter crown? That, that is where the flame of fire rested upon them. At Pentecost, the down payment. The seed has to go into the earthen vessel and then sprout. It becomes a new nature, a new creation, a new, new creature born of lightning, born of fire of the Holy Ghost. A new man. A new kind of humanity, the second man, Yadhe Vavhe, like we talked about yesterday. What was the path of Enoch? In the book of Enoch, he stepped into the, the tongues of fire. How does the song go from Ruth Heflin, who was the prophetess in her time? Flames of fire. He makes his ministers, his angels, flames of fire. When you ascend those sapphire stones and step into the flame of fire that rests upon you from Pentecost. That flame, that fire, is the portal. Written in the book of Enoch. And what is Keter? Let's look at the olive. This is represented in that top rung, the breath of God. What did he say that he was going to slay Satan with? The breath of his mouth. So now when you go into the book of Enoch, understand that you have the deposit, the down payment, not just out there somewhere, but the impartation of the flame, the tongues of fire of the Holy Ghost that rests upon you, that's within you. Secret stairway to the sky is within you. Jacob's ladder within you. This is how you do it. And that entire path is conquered your human nature. Yeah, we're having summer camp and it requires Ruth Heflin music, right? <laughs> and it's just so wonderful. It's so intoxicating. And as we were listening to the song last night, um, she was on the stage at a women's conference or something, and she, she says, we're ascending rung by rung to the very, on the ladder, to the very throne of God. And I said, oh my gosh, Ruth had a measure of this revelation. 
Do you understand how significant that is? That there was a woman in the previous generation that walked in a measure of this exact righteousness with these charts, these understandings, these rungs, and these ladders. And I really felt at that time, because it was at that time when she would spoken that, that I saw Metatron, and I saw the crown come down. Um, it was like this confirming of all this stuff, and, a, and just a greater faith, a greater level. And it's really significant and precious to me, because the first time I ever went to church, it was Ruth Heflin. After I was born again, the first time I ever went to church after I got saved was Ruth Heflin's service, and it wasn't in Virginia at her Pentecostal campground. She was in St. Paul. She had come to Redeeming Love in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so my first time going there, I felt like God had me brush up with the Zadik of the previous generation who had the highest measure of righteousness, of wisdom and revelation, of righteousness, of the heights of the glory. Okay, And I really believe it was Ruth Heflin. And so that first encounter after I'm saved is with a Sadiq. And I get covered in gold dust. And, <laughs> and I believe there was a passing of a baton as well. I believe it was really that significant. I believe it was a Kairos moment of God. Uh, predestined, foreordained for the old to pass it to the new. And then right after that, Ruth Heflin died and went home. Literally, with just within days. She died and went home. And there was a transfer. And to have that kind of rock-solid, solidifying revelation, you know, years, 20 years after her death, where she's speaking of the rungs and the ladder, of all that I'm learning this season, as I'm looking at the crown come down, and I believe she was participating with the cloud of witnesses when that she happened. She was, yeah. I got the yeah. word. When we were mixing the tapes, the Spirit told me that um, Ruth was going to come uh, to the... Uh, to be in the atmosphere to, uh, last night. So this is significant kingdom prophecy. history. Yeah. But you guys, significant kingdom history, it's not in the stadium. It's in the secret place. And I mean, this is this is absolutely what's happening right now. Revival history being written. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I, surely if they did, they'd be here. Right. But they're not here. But that's typical of revival history. Like William Seymour, he only had like 15 students. Wasn't he like a one-eyed, one-eyed black man in a time of segregation too? Right, but it was just a very small group of people. What is Gideon 300? Same, same word, small group. Mm-hmm. Being separate, separated from the larger group. And that's that Joseph word. Joseph who was separated from his brothers. It is written. That separation is to take God's people to the next level. Moses had to be separated from Israel. He now identifies as an Israelite, no longer as an Egyptian, forsaking all of the riches of Egypt. Hebrews 11, it is written, why? To be with the Hebrews and to have the Hebrews God. It's exactly what the Bible says. So that separation is for one thing, elevation. So you're being separated to learn righteousness for elevation. Later on, you will be sent back to everyone else. Just like everyone else came to Joseph. Moses had to go to Israel. Then he takes Aaron and he goes to Pharaoh. 
So there was a, a setting apart and then a going back to the people. You'll have those experiences in your lives. And you need to understand the sanctification process for the advancement of God's kingdom because he's done this before he does it in every generation. It's learning God's ways and understanding how the Father likes to operate and being very, very keen and discerning of how the Father operates. That's, what's wi- that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is understanding God's ways and then walking in them. As it's written, this is the way, walk in it, book of Isaiah. So I show you the way, I show you the path to walk in it. I tell you what's going to happen. And by telling you and showing you through preaching and teaching and the prophetic commandment, what it does is it puts the path into your hearts. Now you decide in your hearts whether they're hardened or softened. What does a softened heart get? The elevation. Hardened heart, the seed dies. Jesus Christ said his own word could be nullified, which means made void of no value. That's what he said. He said, my seed would go into your heart, but the rocks could choke it out, which means that even Jesus' word doesn't work. He said it wouldn't work in most people. Do you realize that's what he said? That his words would not work in most people because of weeds rocks and birds. So if you think this thing is some kind of robotic sovereignty, you're insane. It is a tenderization of your heart to the word and allowing the the seed to sprout and take root and grow up into maturity. Amen. So all fruitfulness and success is on the believer's head. Zero percent on God. God gave us everything. Now, what do we do with everything? Bear the fruit of it. Is it always just fruit bearing? No! It's also tilling the soil. What does the Bible say? First step, Gideon's 300. They didn't even have swords up there, guys. What did they have? They had the lamp and they had the noise. So, they shall beat their swords into plowshares. No, you still have the sword, so don't let that deceive you because there's some extreme immaturity in the body of Christ that doesn't even understand wisdom and parables. So you're never going to be without a sword, okay? But the first step, notice, of the soldiers was to go up and beat their swords into plowshares to bring forth the oil and to bring forth the noise. Which means when you get the revelation of the word, the word goes from sword to plow. Where? In you. Why don't people have fruit and they're still stuck in their human nature? Why are they still stubborn? Why are they still disobedient? (laughs) Why don't they listen? Why don't they want to obey? Here's why. Because the sword is right at their gate, like the flashing sword that guards the Garden of Eden or the Garden of the Word of God. But they haven't allowed it to go in and become a plowshare. You will beat swords. So there's a beating. People say, I feel beaten up. Some of you are even happy about it. I feel a little beaten up today myself. Join the club. Because there's a beating of the sword into a plowshare. Now, without the plowshare, there is no room for the glory. The intensification of the kingdom of heaven inside you is only through swords beating the 
and plowshare. And if you read the Bible, that's exactly what it says. Now we have the plowshare. Now what happens? There's more room to receive God's word. What's God's word? Correction, rebuke, chastisement, and righteousness. That's what the Bible says. What's God's word? Correction, rebuke. What about my encouragement? The encouragement is the Shekinah that comes out of the correction. If you're encouraged by anything except Shekinah, you're into the devil. You know, our encouragement, as it's written, is the Lord. Our comforter is the Lord. What kind of comforter are you looking for? A man, a woman, a blanket, a Some doctor? Some kind of ne- black <laughs> nefesh comfort? <laughs> I tell you what, you know, I, and I signed up for this and I have no regrets. I love it. I love the confrontation, the wrestling. I like the sword, the beating, the plowshare. I really do enjoy the whole thing. And I like the confrontation. I, I like the confrontation with righteousness. And I like the confrontation with wickedness. And I like that Jesus always wins. I enjoy the whole thing. I love the kingdom. It's great. I love the angels. The angels, when they're stern, I like that. When the angels, when they're in the wine cellar drunk, I like that too. I like all of it. And there's a ton of it. And it's more than you will ever be able to wrap your head around. Oh, yeah. If you're real, Archangel (laughs) who set like prince over all of the abyss of that if he came in here in human form and just put on flesh to disguise himself as a human almost every one of you here would think he was religious and uptight I promise you that but what would you be judging an archangel oh my gosh isn't that terrifying i hope it's almost like i hope he doesn't show up like that so that doesn't happen <laughs> do you you know it's, yeah, and so the key yeah. is the plowed heart having a sensitive heart open to the newness of god as it's written to make all things new that means all things continuously new New in you, new through you. So the newness will come through sword, beating, plowshare. Beat your swords into plowshare. So if the animal can get over the offense of feeling like it's being beaten up by the word of God that's trying to save him, Mm -hmm. and allow it to penetrate the soil of the spirit, the Shekinah will save them. And that's why righteousness at first appears as your enemy. Isn't that what scripture says? That's what Hebrew says. Nobody. That's what scripture it says nobody likes righteousness while it's happening that's what it says nobody that means not you not me no one but afterwards it produces a harvest of righteousness nobody likes the correction nobody likes righteousness at first so because righteousness has a predecessor called correction so nobody likes righteousness at first so you're not going to like it. No Christian's going to like it. No charismatic person who speaks in tongues is going to like it. You like the elementary things, it's easy to cling to those. You like those. You like the baptisms. You like the laying on of hands. You like the resurrection of the dead and all that stuff. You like the elementary things. That's what the Bible says. You'll like those. Hebrews 6, it is written. You'll like that. But you will not like righteousness. Because righteousness is a complete scourging of your entire existence, of your entire Adamic race. So you can have the elementary things and be in the Adamic race. But you can't step one step on the moon of righteousness and cling to the Adamic race. It's scourged from you. It's beaten. It's beaten. It's changed from a sword to a plowshare. Now... 
you're beginning to step into something that requires the anathema of the Adamic race. And the requirement of the second race, like we established yesterday, of yad he vav he. The second Adam is yad he vav he. 1 Corinthians 15, it is written. So, first Adam stuff, we have elementary. So what are the enemies, the members of your own house, Jesus Christ? The ones stuck in the elementary things of Christianity, as you have witnessed of anyone stepping into righteousness. Anyone stepping into righteousness, their enemies are Christians. I've witnessed a hundred thousand Christians wage war against me in one month, even last year. A hundred thousand Pentecostals united against Red Letter Ministers. You've never seen anything like it in your entire generation. Most people are still in denial. They don't even know what's happened. They're so distracted by Babylon the Great, giving and taking to marriage. This is final showdown stuff. You understand that confrontation was like a hundred times larger than Elijah on Mount Carmel? A hundred times bigger. A hundred times more people and a hundred times higher in the confrontation. Truth anyhow. But the end times is so critical because people are not understanding righteousness because they've clung to the elementary. So the challenge is begin to open and soften your hearts into righteousness, into something you know the Bible tells you you can't receive except through death. You can't receive it except through death. The metamorphosis, the worm dies. Do you know that? It's a different DNA in butterfly form. It literally dies. Nobody can live in resurrection heights. The resurrection of the sapphire stones. You can't accept through death. So what you're facing is all kinds of death towards the things of the Adamic race, the things of your male, the things of your female, the things of your state. You're a southerner, you're a northerner. The, the things of your taste and your diet, things I like to eat. Things, differences of race, differences of the Adamic nature. Guess what? All of it is marked for slaughter, and none of it inherits the promised land. All of it dies in the wilderness. It will die with your spirit in it or your spirit out of it. That's up to you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It'll die with you underneath the grave clothes, underneath the death you refuse to repent of, because you would not be crucified with the Lamb of God to embrace the race of second Adam, Yahweh's, right? That's what the Bible says. Body of Christ, body of Yadevave. Now that means if you're in that body, you're in a different body than the Adamic body, right? That's established apostolic doctrine for 2,000 years. You're in the Adamic body, the man of dust, whose soul is from the earth, or you're in the body of Christ, the heavenly body, whose soul is from heaven. Now, there is a grace period. Amen? There is a grace period for your transition. But how many of y'all know grace does run out if you're not growing? As it's written, if you stop putting your hand to the plow, you turn back, you're not worthy of me. That means you don't get any more grace. 
But if you're making progress towards him, toward the heavenly soul, in the heavenly race, in the heavenly Jerusalem, in that which is above and not below, guys, he has given you grace without measure. That's like water and seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. What does it mean to be a sower? Someone who's growing things. You're growing in purity. That's a thing growing in you. You're growing in wisdom. That's a thing growing in you. You're growing in intelligence, divine intelligence, divine knowledge. That's something growing in you. You're growing in angelic ability, faith, and good works, and charity, and purity. It's growing in you. These he has given seed to those who sow. Therefore, they are given grace without measure. To him who has sent, God has given his spirit without measure. So, all these things are given to you so that you can grow up into him. The prostitution of the whore of Babylon is saying, I'm not growing up into him. I'm remaining in an elementary state and I insist that I'm right because it's 300-year-old established doctrine in the Lutheran church and the Baptist church and whatever church you're going to. And I refuse to learn something higher than me. That state of stubbornness is Heaven Awaits the Bride, chapter 1. Right? The goat's battering around. What's the goat? The stubbornness of man. Goats represent stubbornness, don't they? They absolutely do. It's been established for 50 years. A goat is a stubborn prophetic symbol. It has to die in your head. It has horns. We could say it's demonic horns. Yes, demonic horns. But it's also, in ancient times, horns were always a good thing. You'd use the horn to make oil. It was your cup for drinking water. You'd drink out of horns. Okay? Nowadays, it's all demons. Back then, it was something you use every day in your normal life. And it was also the horns of the altar. There was four horns on the altar. So it represents holiness and sanctification mm -hmm. and power. Going from demonic horns to the horns of Jesus Christ. Revelation 5, 6, you read the Bible? Seven horns. Jesus has seven horns, which is perfected power. Perfected sanctification. He is... Yad He Vav the Lord who is our sanctifier. He is perfectly sanctified so that He can sanctify us. What was His sanctification? Obeying His Father. He grew in sanctification. It's a measurement system. Truth, anyhow, doesn't mean He ever sinned. It means He grew in sanctification. He grew up in God. Isaiah 11, He wasn't born perfect. He was made perfect through what he suffered. That's what the Bible says. You get religionists lose their brains because their heads are full of doctrine and so does Shekinah. You need to get loose, man. You need deliverance. He grew up as a tender shoot, meaning he grew up in the divine nature until, as a seed form, he was the full tree of the Father. You get it in seed form and you think you're the fullness of the Father. You've missed sword, beating, plowshare. The truth is you cling to the elementary things. You've missed the entire kingdom of heaven, as most Christians have, because they're not actually discipled to grow up the seed. Some of these seeds will only hatch under pressure. It takes extreme pressure. Some of these seeds only hatch under fire. Fire. Forest fires loose seeds that only spread through forest fires. It's a good thing. 
We don't need Smokey the Bear everywhere to prevent forest fires. We need you to get the seed <laughs> sprouted in the fire because the natural seeds will keep needing the fire and causing forest fires until the people of God rise in righteousness with their seed in the fire and heal the earth. Until then, it will continue. Well, the fire of the forest of Lebanon in the Garden of Eden is made out of fire. But it's perfectly, it's perfectly contained in the word. So it's not chaos fire. Why does Jesus want to bring chaos fire or fire that's all-consuming to earth? Because it's all sin and demons. And he's going rem- to make the earth a new earth through fire. I have come to bring forest fire. Oh, how I wish it was already kindled because I see all men as trees. He's going to burn it to smithereens. Some of you need to rejoice in that because... There's no part of the Adamic nature that shall remain. That is one of the greatest promises. Mm -hmm. Behold, I make all things new. How? Through fire. What is that fire? The altar of burning. It is the altar of burning. Truth is, you only have the altar of incense. In areas, you have the altar of burning. Right? Let's look at it. Mm -hmm. Look at the temple. Old Testament is for wisdom. That's why we teach on the Old Testament constantly because the only way you grow in the New Testament is through wisdom. Now, if you look at the altar, that is all the Adamic nature right there. All the Adamic nature goes on that altar. There's another altar on the inside, so it's not just the constant burning away of the old. The inside is the constant bringing forth of the new. So... What does it mean to be a priest, a royal priesthood? You're working against the old. He is for the rise and fall of every nation. It is written about Messiah. So we're dealing with the fall of your nation. I don't care what it is. Red, yellow, black, and white. We're we're making sure it falls. Otherwise, we're not biblical Christians. And the only part of you that's going to rise is Christ in you. The hope of rising and the bright morning star rising in your hearts. If anything else rises, you know what absolute whoredom is? Allowing the Adamic nature to rise. Allowing whatever thing of Adam that you're clinging to in the natural dimension or the spiritual dimension, because it has a spiritual dimension. That's the that's this right here. That's cliff off. That's when you're under fallen angels. They rule over the dust of the earth, which means, what's dust of the earth? The man of dust. They rule over the Adamic nature. The only way you come out of the cliff off of the fallen angel government that's been established for thousands of years, the only way is that you get into Jesus Christ and keep getting into him. And that is the only immaturity in the whole world is the measure of the satanic influence. Our current measure of immaturity as a believer is the measure of sapphire stones above us that we have not yet conquered and have not yet been circumcised within us. That's the measure of the sin that we currently have and our current level of immaturity. Yeah, because it's fire. The stone that touched the prophet's lips, fire. So we say we want the baptism of fire. Well, where does the baptism of fire come from? Your church buildings? No. From lifting up your hands? Or from the stars that he said were good? Hello? You know, you think you get Pentecostals to admit you need fourth day from sixth day? I mean, you want to know what a cult is? Clinging to the gifts and then calling yourselves in right standing with God. 
and still living below fifth day, fourth day, third day, second day, Cliffoth, first day. In the beginning, Bereshit, Elohim, God the Creator, living below the heights that man was intended to live in, and yet calling yourself in right standing with God. Listen, we challenge ourselves in this stuff constantly. There's no clinging to the below anymore. No clinging to the Adamic race in any form, in any spirit. Amen. We want it all beaten. Beaten away. We want all the dust washed away. We want all the seed of Jesus. You have to eat now too. So now we have the sword beaten into a plowshare and there's a plowing. Every Joel's bar there's plowing, there's sowing, there's watering, and there's light of the Son of Righteousness for increase. Every single one. And you can stay in that germination. You can stay in that all the time. 24-7, the kingdom needs to be growing in you. Like a hyperbaric chamber in there. Amen. Like you're growing just a greenhouse of God's word. The emerald glow around him is a greenhouse. A greenhouse of what? Every word of the Father brought into maturity in Jesus Christ. As it's written, all promises are yes and amen in Christ. We have it as a doctrine in our brains. Don't mean nothing. Now we need it as a greenhouse in our hearts. For it actually matures and comes to pass through gardening the seed into maturity. That's why it's green around his throne. Every promise, yes and amen, and in Christ. If it's going to be yes and amen in us, we're also going to have to go from head Christians to heart greenhouses. That hasn't happened in half the people, even in charismatic discipleship. It hasn't happened in half the people in the glory stream. They still live in their heads instead of their hearts. And your head needs to be a reflection like the moon of the heart of the Son of Righteousness. So it's not bad to be in your head when it's perfectly reflecting Jesus Christ in your hearts. Because Jesus is called the moon of the Son in Revelation. Okay? Which means he's the brain of the Father in Revelation. Truth anyhow. Father is spirit. Jesus is flesh. Which means he's the full reflection of in the flesh of the Father's Spirit, it says in Revelation. So there's nothing wrong with brain. God gave us brains. That's why there's nothing wrong with the moon. God made moons. They play a huge, important function. Without the moon, all of you would explode and die instantly. You need that. It, it's The only way there's life on earth is with the moon. It's required for existence. Do you realize that? You can't live on earth without the moon. It's needed for biological life. Just like you can't live in heaven without the Father and the Son and the Spirit. They're required for spiritual life and natural life both. That's why Jesus becomes the moon and the Father, the Son in the book of Revelation. It's an upgrade in existence from world to world. Amen. So you're ascending moons. Seven moons. Seven stars, seven suns. Why? Seven worlds until you're perfected in the absolute world of God. And you continue growing in there. And even higher and deeper and richer things. But now is the time to even step into the first rung of the ladder of going to the Father's throne. Thank you, Ruth Heflin, backing us up here. When almost no other ministry, I'd say no other ministry in the world is, mm -hmm. Ruth is still backing RLM up from mm -hmm. the grave. From the great cloud of witnesses. Suck on that. 
<laughs> Amen. You know what that was pretty great too was when you saw Ruth Heflin, you got covered in gold dust and that <laughs> uh, gold dust manifestation. And uh, then I remembered when I moved here last year, in the summer we started worshiping. Uh, and when I moved here, what was that manifestation in the local community? Gold dust? Yeah. So I thought and I just kind of put the two and two together. How, uh, you know, Ruth having pioneered in a way for a woman to know and understand mm -hmm. sapphire stones through divine revelation. I know Ruth wasn't taught by someone about the stones, the latter. She got that as she, mm -hmm. as she got to know Jesus. She got to know the Holy Ghost. She got to know Jesus. She got to experience that light of the Father. When she would go into those trances when she was singing those words again and again, like we listened to you last night, if you go into it, you see the light of the Father, Father, Son. And as you go up on Sapphire Stones, other of our students that have gone up, I've had reports back that as they go up, they start to they tell me about this light they see. And I know exactly what they're talking about. It's the same for everyone when they go up. The light of Father, Son begins to shine down on you. Mm. Even just meditating and singing and praying in those realms, it's the nullification of the ego. This is those, um, I think those, they might be in the book of Enoch. I can't remember. I was like, was this something, an encounter with actual Enoch, like in heaven, or was this from his book? <laughs> or, you know, which is a good problem to have. But the, the angels, these angels, the throne, the ones that kind of go, and then they come back. You guys, has anyone seen them? We see the throne and the visions, the angels, they go, they go and they come back. You know what I'm talking about? You guys see yours? They go, and they go back. I'm like, what are they doing? Just, but that's what we do when we go up. You must become proficient in, in this type of a behavior. You're at your consciousness. Is it a bone throne of Satan? Well, currently, yes, in the old Adam nature. But one of the keys that you must become proficient in is that kind of going and come back there and back again and back again mm -hmm. and back again. How high you go up from there, I'm going to share this with you today. You lift up. And you open up, and you by worshiping the ad, the adoration of God, you adore Him, you adore Him. Adoration of the Holy Spirit, adoration of Jesus, adoration of the Father, and you lift it up, you lift up your heads, you lift up, open your gates, and let your consciousness be alleviated, like relieved from that bone throne captivity, and let it go up like an angel, like your whole consciousness go up. Up, because you, your consciousness can go up the sapphire stones far ahead of where you're at, safely, by beholding and adoring Him, and it goes up, and you go up, and you and let that light of the Father, Father, Son. That's why those little white butterflies are flying around Him. I've seen them; they fly around Him like that. <laughs> That's the white butterfly. One greeted me on the way in here tonight. Mm. Uh, there's a little confirmation: the white butterfly came and greeted me on the way into Joel's bar today. Apartment. Yeah. Flew it flying around my perfume and went behind my speaker, disappeared, and it was like in the natural, and then it then it appeared again and flew onto my Ophina mirror. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. We're both wearing white today, and we've both had this experience of a white butterfly physically materializing inside of a closed house with nothing open from the spirit realm. <laughs> um, but what this is about the transfiguration, you can behold. And as you adore him, 
and you start to adore him. And just like Shadrach was preaching on adoration, this is another one of the secrets of prayer, is that adoration. And if you hit something that's like blocking you, you start to feel like you need the confession. Then you start to confess, and it's a true confession, right? But the adoration on Sapphire Stones, the higher you go up, the easier it is for you to place your consciousness in the light of the Father. That's why some of those things, it's like, it can be so bothersome or grievous, but it doesn't really matter because you know, I can always do this. I always have him with me. So no matter how bad things are in the natural realm, it doesn't matter. You don't care. You won't stop going up for anything or anyone or nothing because you know that this is it. And But you have to experience that for you to know. So you add the adoration. You love, love you, Father. And worship you. The glory is your glory. Worship your glory. And today we praise, I praise the holy flesh of Jesus Christ. I praise his holy flesh. Oh, he's got flesh and he's got bone. And he's God. And I just praise him. I look, and then the light of the Father, Son, and all his glory, and the, the <laughs> throne and the lights, all the lights around the Father of lights and the butterflies. And his light emanating lights, praise him. And as your consciousness opens up and your dad goes into that light, you don't feel the pressure of the demonic. You don't feel the sin of your constant looking at self, looking at others, judging others, judging self. It just evaporates in that sunlight, in that light of the Father. And it just, thank you, Father. I love you. And pretty soon, if you continue in it, you forget. Um, it's, you become almost like in the seraphim, that they're barely aware of their own existence. And in that moment, everything of self is nullified. Everything of ego is null and void and canceled. And the negative thoughts are just destroyed. And you just, you see him, you caught up, you caught, you lost in the glory. And then when you come back down, that's why it's the going and the coming of these, the angels. They look kind of like birds and they go, shh, shh, when they come. You set your mind under the Father in your adoration. Now, be careful with this because when your mind comes back, you will start to suddenly become aware of yourself again, your elevation, your problems. It's like when you leave your body and come back. You go to heaven, you come back. It's kind of like that. So part of the test, don't be dismayed at that. Part of it is you must be proficient at releasing your consciousness there, your mind, into the mind of Christ, into the mind of the Father, caught up in the glory, lost in the glory, forgetting totally about your own self, not by trying to forget about me, trying to forget about me, that only makes you think about you more. It's through the adoration and that lifting up, and you go in there, and then when you come back, It judges the thoughts and the intentions of your mind and it helps to refine you because those things that you bring back with you are going to help you when you rise. And it may make you uncomfortable because in his light, we see light. So what it does is it allows us with his light to see the areas where we still have faults. But if you're on this journey, you understand that's beneficial because in the way that he does it, like a lot of times when others try to do it for you, try to do it to you, it's just more looking at self, looking at each other, fighting. But when God does it in this way and he does it for you, you're excited to see your faults. Every day you'll be before him asking, show me my faults. Show me what the, what the next thing is that we need to get rid of to go to the next step. And then he shows you. It's much different than even in the glory stream you've ever experienced of how people might do this. 
those can work and it can help you. But this is going to be your number one way of receiving the correction of the Father through His light. Because through His light, you see the problems in you. And His love is so strong, His glory is so strong, you desire to take that next step and let go. It, it's, not, it's not the same. And then you can begin to take that and you, and you cut it out. And then even when the scourging is intense, I had one, this doesn't happen very often, I had one very extreme scenario where the Father allowed, uh, through the scourging of my flesh, for me to strike something, uh, it was like an accident, and I saw, uh, I had my own blood coming out of my hand, but it was the, that da'at, right, the mind, manifesting the wrong thoughts, and I knew it, but it felt out of control. And I didn't know what to do, and when I struck my hand and I saw my blood, and at first I was like, oh no, am I under attack? You know, what's going on? Oh, this must be something. Is someone cursing me? Blah, blah. And then I had to slow down and wait for a minute. And then the Lord spoke to me. And the Father spoke to me. This is me correcting you. And then all of a sudden, you know what happened? Now, oh, oh God, is God going to hurt me? Don't think like that. All that busyness of my mind and what's going on, it calmed me down. I immediately had peace. And I looked at it and I said, this is good if this is from you. The, fe the, the peace came in, the fruits of peace. I understand that this happened because of my own thought life that was out of control. But that peace came when I realized and he spoke to me. And then I remembered David saying, it's good for me that I was afflicted. And that peace came, of course, you know, I bandaged it, well, bandaged it up. And from that day on, that specific manifestation in my mind no longer happened. It was better, it, there was a specific area that I struggled to overcome, and no matter what I seemed to do, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't overcome that. I didn't, I didn't understand how I could change. To go up, you have to change. That's it, you change. But certain areas we struggle more than other areas. And that for me, that manifestation, it was a more difficult thing. But the blessing of that one, and it's just a tiny, it was a little boo-boo, but you know how it is. We say, oh my God, I see, you know, what's happening, what's happening? And that peace, it, I felt the change even in my own mind shifted. And that state of mind has not happened since. Do you understand? It's not about, did it, well, was I feeling the, the ecstasy? No, I was not feeling the ecstasy. I was feeling the scourging. But the peace that came and the permanent mind change in that moment has greatly influenced and affected and helped my walk going up. He moves in different ways according to what each vessel needs. Some of you, if we had, you know, we talked about Archangel Uriel manifesting in here. Most people would probably manifest on him. But if we had the angel, a holy angel, nonsense from heaven, there's a holy angel called nonsense. If he came in here and put on flesh and blood and was just acting like his own nonsense, I'd say most of you would probably approve of him. Like, oh yeah, no, he's cool. Because we understand that part of the Father. 
we receive okay this aspect of you we receive it we love it religion they, they don't like it but the same holy angel uriel is from the same holy father why is it that most of us would reject him we would accept one angel and reject the other but they both carry aspects of the father challenges our adamic nature right so some things are easier to us or we've had refinement in that area like we're so familiar with the angel of nonsense at this point mm. it's probably going to be sending more like the archangel uriel and rigid righteousness just mm -hmm. to irritate the crap out of us why it's not about the forms it's about the father he wants us to change so it's not oh well i know god looks like this god he has so many angels and manifestations he has hundreds of millions of angels and each one carries an aspect of him his quality his name his personality all of the angels that have ever been created the holy ones every single one of them they don't have their own name they have god's name they each have their own name what are their names they're god's names mm -hmm. raphael the lord my healer god my healer not raphael I do my own thing apart from God. That's not... I'll give you a new name. What name? It's not going to be your name. <laughs> It'll be your name because he's giving it to you, but whose name is it really? It's God's name. In him we live and move and have our being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the going and then the returning. And the more you want to nullify that self-nature, the ego, get into the adoration, get into the worship. And all those things that you think are such a big deal and I can't believe... It just... <laughs> it's just annihilated. You want to anathema, some anathema into that sunlight and the radiations of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I really believe, too, if you kind of, you look at uh, what the earth, Jesus Christ said he wanted the earth to become fire. I really believe he was speaking of, let's see if I can find the temple. The earth become the altar of fire down here. And I believe that's when wrongdoing ceases. When the whole earth becomes an altar for nefesh. And that's our job. Raising a standard in that altar of incense and the menorah, serving before the Father's throne there in spirit and truth with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength in the oneness and the unity and obedience to the prophetic commandment and whatever that is, doing our assignment and, and growing inside that golden room, which is inside the kingdom. But you'll still have that temple down on earth. You still have that, that body. You'll have a body down on earth. And he wants that body down on earth to be completely burned with the holy fire to the place where death is removed from the body. But that's really the overflow of what the inner man's doing, ascending in heart obedience. That's why the morning star rises in your heart. Doesn't morning star doesn't rise in your flesh. Heart first. That's what is written. Second Corinthians, Second uh, Peter chapter one. The reason is. Is because the overflow of that morning star, what's the star do? It gives forth fire. Fire comes from stars. That's the only way fire exists. So it's the overflow that flows down into the earth. I believe, and I've seen this before, the earth will become like a lake of fire. Does that mean it's hell? No. It's only hell for sin. It's only hell for demons. Everyone else would walk on water, walk on hell. It will change forms completely. Earth will be made entirely new. That's what Jesus said, new earth, which means nothing you know about old earth will remain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't need to have cold snow winters. You don't need to have forest fires. You don't have to need none of that. 
none of it. None of the things that man thinks is necessary in these times is going to be necessary with the Lamb of God as the lamp. Mm-hmm. So you're getting out of old earth. You're getting out of old Adam and old earth. And if you think about it, that's all you deal with constantly. You don't deal with anything else in your existence. So it's always pressing into the new, getting out of your comfort zone inside new heavens and outside new earth. Amen. Raising Amen. the standard of righteousness like Noah, bringing the floods. It's not just about you. It's not just about me, like our own lives and things that we want to do or our promises from God. It's what the Father wants to do. What does the Father want to do? <laughs> he, well, he wants to refine Gideon's 300. He's mentioned that. And these 300, I believe, will be the ones who help to harvest the 60 million faithful RLM Global Joel's Army frontline soldiers. <laughs> and I also want to say this for some people who are watching online. Praying against the 60 million soldiers incoming automatically disqualifies you for being in Gideon's 300. It's not about throwing out the 300 for the 60 million and you trying to protect your little piece of prophecy of your destiny. Just anathema that. Just get it out completely of your system. It is going to take the refinement in the 300, these are the ones who are going to help to lead the 60 million. So you have to understand what God is doing. It's the Father's will. If you are praying against the Father's will, you're in witchcraft. So you need to stop. And also, we just want to decree right now that any of the witches who are attacking Red Letter Ministries in any dimension, if they will not give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, let them die. Let them be accursed and die. Let the earth vomit them out like the refuse that they are, servants of Satan. Repent or die in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a ha let's end up, to end on a happy note. I'm very happy about that prayer. I think someone's yeah. got a big smile. That's my sister back you know, there with a giant smile on her face who's wearing the glasses that I gave to her after they'd been smeared with demon blood physically that physically materialized. And she's very happy about it. These are the kind of people smiling when I pray prayers like that at Joel's bar. Bob Jones, I'm not <laughs> sending you back to save one soul. I'm yeah. saving you. I'm sending you back to save a one billion soul harvest that'll be mostly youth. So when that sixty million comes in, understand this is the share of like first fruits mm -hmm. of the apostolic pioneers of RLM getting sixty mm -hmm. million of that one billion. And it needs to come in first, otherwise you'll never have a billion. Because God always honors his pioneers, he always honors mm -hmm. his apostles, his obedient sons, and that has to happen into RLM. And it's God's mm -hmm. will and nothing can stop it. The Bible says, and nothing can stop it. Amen. Amen. And may all of my daughters become witch killers, <laughs> in Jesus' name. Bam. Bless you with lightning. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Which killing ministries worldwide, international. That's the only thing that's stopping Global Harvest is witchcraft. Sorcery, witchcraft, unrighteousness. The spells that hold the people's minds in captivity. 
And then the, the witches and the sorcerers who attack our people individually, those things have to break. We have to overcome all those things. It's a spell on the nations. It's Satan's witchcraft. What is witchcraft? That comes down through the black sephiroth. So it's a time for the destruction of those sorceries, the destruction of those witches. This is not going to be just another years of just struggling against witches. No more Mr. and Mrs. Nice Christian suffering a, a witch to live. Are you kidding me? It's anti-biblical. Repent or die. That's what I'm saying to the witches today. Repent or die. Amen. With the judgment of righteousness come upon these wicked, these wicked sorcerers and wicked witches. I feel fire now. Thank you, Lord. Who fight against the will of the Father. His will is to bring in harvest. Harvesting souls into the kingdom, not into witchcraft, charismatic Christianity. Not into unrighteous, wicked, black Kabbalah of Satan's Sephiroth. Cosmic unrighteousness. No. And these wicked people are the ones who stay in the way. They're the ones who curse. They're the ones who chant. They're the ones who watch Red Letter Ministries and try their spells. They attack in the astral dimensions. And they cause wickedness. They work all kinds of divisions in the people. Not anymore. Let this company raise up to be prayer warriors this season. And annihilate all the sorcery and the witchcraft, even the red magic that's been coming against the purposes of God and the earth. Let our angel armies, led by Michael, Gabriel, be released against our enemies. And let the healing light of Raphael, through the Son of Righteousness, heal our people from every wrong, everyone who has ever cursed you, I'm talking to our people now. Everyone who's ever cursed you, who's ever worked wit wickedness, witchcraft, or sorcery against you of any kind, be healed. Let the light of Raphael heal you. Let those curses break off of you, every generational curse. Mm -hmm. I just saw light come out of my hand on that. That's for you watching at home. You are not going to live out the false destiny they had planned for you. You're going to find your true destiny, how? As you rise on sapphire stones, and they cannot stop you. Because a company is here that believes and walks in cosmic righteousness. So you cannot be stopped, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you guys Tuesday. <laughs> see you. Exodus 25, 29 for the offering tonight. And you shall make its plates for showbread, and cups for incense, and its flagons and bowls for liquids in sacrifice, making them of pure gold. Liquids in sacrifice. So where do you think they got the gold for making the liquids in sacrifice? From the cheerful giving Israelites. So we're teaching on Gideon's 300 and a lot of deep mysteries of the kingdom of heaven tonight. Give an offering tonight to make the vessels for the liquid gold. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
He had to start all over again because there were things that he got to the place he didn't say, but they would be sometimes things he would think on. And he began to cultivate that ability in God that he wasn't going to think unbelief. God can work in your life and you can drive spiritual stakes. And you can begin to cultivate something and it becomes yours. Work in my life. There are always folks that know how to push the buttons and they keep pushing them until you get sad. And they, those who were sad, as soon as you get sad, they get happy. Have you ever watched it? <laughs> and I saw from Isaiah 53 that he not only bore my sicknesses and my sins, but he bore my sorrow. And when I saw that in the scripture, I knew that I never needed to be sad again and full of sorrow. And if he comes along momentarily for a few minutes, I just remember, amen, that I'm going, I have will to be joyful, amen. I have willed to resist sadness. Amen. I'm not going to yield to it. And in like manner, if we're going to be carefree, this is the day to cultivate it. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him a good clap offering. Hallelujah. Let's do Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, my provider is grace is sufficient for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider is grace is sufficient for me. Oh, the Lord will provide all my need. Move forward so others Lord, can come behind you. Jehovah careth for me, for me, for me, Jehovah careth for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider is grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me, Jehovah Jireh, my provider is grace. Get excited, a little more carefree. God will supply all your According to his riches in glory, he will give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh careth for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh careth for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh. to see you go home carefree. 
go back to your room tonight carefree. Amen. You say, well, what about my ministry? He knows about your ministry. Oh, yes. Well, what about the ticket I need to buy? He knows about the ticket. <laughs> Hallelujah. He wants you to be carefree because those that he's going to send you to, they're going to need the message of carefree when you get there. You've got to be the first partaker of being carefree in order to bless them. Hallelujah. My God will He'll supply them. Just dance forward and backwards. To his riches and glory. 